welcome to Classic Comedy of Old Time Radio. I'm your host, Ron Eckelbarger. With the exception of a couple of special episodes, which we will hear in the next couple of weeks, we have come to the end of the regular Bickerson's episodes. This is the last of the full 30-minute episodes of the Bickersons from their 13-episode run as a summer replacement series in 1951. Here now are the Bickersons, starring Francis Langford as Blanche Bickerson and Lou Parker as John, in a show entitled John the Shoplifter, from August 28, 1951. Philip Morris presents The Bickersons, produced, broadcast, and transcribed from Hollywood, starring Francis Langford and Lou Parker. Compare Philip Morris. Match Philip Morris. Judge Philip Morris against any other brand. Then decide for yourself which cigarette is milder, tastier, more enjoyable. Believe in yourself. And you'll believe in Philip Morris, America's finest cigarette. They fight, they yell, they squabble and squawk, but they love each other as much as any married couple in the world. That's Francis Langford and Lou Parker, stars of Philip Rapp's humorous creation, The Bickersons. And here is John Bickerson himself, Lou Parker. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, and good evening. Before Francis and I square off for our weekly marital mayhem, here is Miss Langford as her more lovable self, the G.I.'s Purple Heart Girlfriend. Francis? Thank you. Franny, it's almost impossible to keep up with all the requests from the fellows in the service, but I think we should attend to this one. It's from the gang at the Walter Reed Hospital in Washington, D.C., and they want to hear you sing Falling in Love with Love. Nothing would give me greater pleasure. So with Tony Romano and the orchestra, this is for you, fellas. Falling in love with love is falling for make-believe. Falling in love with love is playing the
Friends, in a moment, we'll have a look in at the Dickersons. But first, I'd like to have a word with the most important person in the world when it comes to choosing a cigarette. That person, of course, is you. We of Philip Morris believe that no one's taste is more important to you than your taste. No one's judgment is more important to you than your judgment. That's why we ask you to believe in yourself. That's why, unlike others, we of Philip Morris never ask you to test our brand alone. That's no test, because it gives you no choice. We say compare Philip Morris, match Philip Morris, judge Philip Morris against any other cigarette. Then make your own choice according to your own taste, your own judgment. In short, believe in yourself. Later you'll hear an interview with an actual smoker, not an actor, not a paid performer, but a real person who will make the only fair cigarette test, the Philip Morris nose test. I know you'll be interested, so stay with us, won't you? Now, light up a Philip Morris and let's join Francis Langford and Lou Parker as John and Blanche Bickerson in The Honeymoon is Over. John, hmm? hurry up and drink your orange juice before it gets cold. Let it get cold. I don't like hot orange juice anyway. <laughs> it isn't hot. I just warmed it a little to take the chill off. You know, you have to be careful about what you eat with your sensitive stomach, John. Well, I don't want to eat anything. I just want to get these sales reports finished before I go to work. Nonsense. I've already fixed your breakfast for you, and you're going to eat it. Or even a horse eats before he works. Here. What is it? Curried tapioca. Give it to a horse. I wouldn't touch it. <laughs> What's the matter, John? Is business getting bad? It's always been bad, but now it's getting worse. Let me finish these reports, will you, Blanche? I don't know. For a man who doesn't make any sales, you certainly do a lot of paperwork. I make plenty of sales. Look at this. You see this big pile of papers over here? Well, half of them are orders. What about the other half? Cancellations. <laughs> Hand me that eraser, Blanche. I made another mistake on this order. Well, why bother to correct it? It's a canceled order, isn't it? Give me the eraser. Oh, here. Thanks. There, that does it. Books all balanced. Sales, $5,600. Cancellations, $5,600. Well, I'll say one thing for you, John. You're the neatest failure I ever saw. Now, don't start that again. I've got a steady job, and that's what counts. Where's my hat? On the sideboard. Where's my lunch? In your hat. <laughs> You'll be home early, won't you, John? I'll try. Never mind trying. Just do it. You've got a long drive ahead of us tonight, and I don't want to be late for the wedding. What wedding? Oh, come on, John. You know my cousin Agnes from Saugus is getting married tonight. I give up. If that fish-faced cousin of yours could hook a husband, no man in the world is safe. How can you say that, John? You know very well Agnes won a beauty contest last year at the canning factory. A fine beauty contest winner. Miss Imported Sardine of 1950. <laughs> Skinless and boneless division. What do you care? You're not marrying her. You're only going to the wedding. No, I'm not. Of course you are, silly. I'm going to be the bridesmaid, and you're the best man. Now, be a good boy and buy a new tuxedo on your way to work. What's wrong with the one I've got? Oh, you can't wear that thing, John. It's out of style. Nobody's wearing seersucker tuxedos anymore. It's not seersucker. It's crimped shark skin. All it needs is a pressing to cover up the shine in the coat. Well, the pressing won't cover up the hole in the pants. Don't be so stingy, John. You can pick up a nice second-hand tuxedo for under $20. I'm not stingy, Blanche. I just can't afford it. You can, too. If I can afford a brand-new evening gown for $68, you can certainly afford a second-hand tuxedo. I knew it. 
You only want to go to the wedding because you bought a... Wait a minute. We can't go anyway. Why not, John? I just remember that I have to take inventory at the office tonight. Oh, John. Too bad. I would have loved going to that broken-down wedding, but that's the breaks of the game. <laughs> take that dress back, Blanche. I can't. I've already had it altered. Well, give it to me. I'll take it back. I'm not throwing away 68 bucks because you had it altered. Where'd you buy this dress, Blanche? At Fuller's. But, John, can't you try to get off from work just for tonight? No. It's such a pity. You're the best man, and the groom is depending on you. What are you talking about? I never met him in my life. Why should he depend on me? Well, he's very nervous, and he's liable to call off the wedding if you don't show up. Oh. Well, in that case, I've got no choice in the matter. You'll go? Of course not. It's the least I can do for the poor sucker. <laughs> Goodbye, Blanche. I'm going to return this dress to Fuller's before I go to work. John, wait. You can't... Hello. Oh, Clara, how are you? Oh, I'm not so good. John's not going to the wedding. No, he's taking the dress back to Fuller's. What's that? I bought it at Plumber's. Good heavens. John! 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 Fuller's Department Store Adjustment Department, Grumpus speaking. Yes, madam. I'm afraid you have the wrong department. You want alteration. The adjustment department? That's right. Won't you sit down? Well, I'm in a hurry. I just want to get a refund on this. Certainly. Here at Fuller's, if you're not satisfied, your money will be cheerfully refunded. Fine. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> cheerfully refunding money is a fuller tradition handed down by our celebrated founder just before he went into the hands of the receivers. <laughs> Well, that's very interesting, but about this refund... That's what we're here for. At Fuller's, your money is cheerfully refunded. Well, that's... <laughs> just dandy. But if it's all the same to you, let's stop the cheerfulness and start the refunding. Hmm. Well, let's fill out this form. Do we have to go through that? Purely a formality. Now then, reason for refund. Doesn't fit, perhaps? I don't know. I haven't tried it on. <laughs> Well, then we're hardly being fair to the garment, are we? Won't you try it on now? I don't think so. Why not? Because blue evening gowns clash with my purple goddess. <laughs> oh, it's a gown. How amusing. Isn't it? Now then, reason for refund? I want my money back. That's not a reason. Can you think of a better one? <laughs> Very well. Give me your sales slip. I haven't got one. And how are we supposed to know when this was bought? There are no refunds on anything after two weeks. I bought it yesterday. I have the files here. Uh, do you mind if I take a quick run through them? I don't care if you ride through them side saddle. <laughs> Gotta get my money back. I wasted half the money for me already with your silly questions, senseless grilling, and idiotic chatter. Fine way to handle refunds. What you need here is somebody to adjust the adjustment department. And that somebody ought to have at least half a brain. Are you quite finished? Yeah, now give me my refund. I'll tell you you'll never find me in here again. You're right about that. At least not for some time. What is that supposed to mean? We have no record of this gown being sold. Oh, you haven't? No, and you have no sales slip. Somehow it all adds up. It does, does it? What does it add up to? Shoplifting. Oh, detective! Take this! Excuse me, could you direct me to... Well, thank you. Oh, uh, pardon me, miss. I was carried away by that gown. <laughs> uh, what were you saying? I'd like to speak to John Bickerson. Bickerson, Bickerson. Oh, yes, cell 13. 
Yeah, I was about to go back there. We just got an order to release him. Well, before you do, could you let me talk to him for a few minutes? I want him to promise me something before he finds out he's released. It's, uh, well, it, it, it's about a wedding. Oh, I understand, miss. I, I never did know what he was picked up for. Yes. Well, I haven't time to explain. Uh, anyway, there's another little matter before he can leave. Uh, the bill. Bill? One pair of bent handcuffs. Two back windows for the happy wagon. And the sergeant's eyeglasses, uh, $47. I'm afraid Vickerson wasn't very happy with it. Well, send him a statement. All right. Third cell on the left, and uh, good luck, miss. Thanks. Hello, John. Oh, it's you. I didn't recognize you in that getup. How do I look? Lovely. Sure, but what good are fancy clothes when you're the wife of a jailbird? I'm not a jailbird. I'm going to sue that store for every nickel they've got for false arrest. Have you hired a lawyer? No. Why not? Well, what have you ever done for me? What? I asked you to do one simple little thing, like taking me to my cousin's wedding, and you make up all kinds of excuses to get out of it. Those weren't excuses. I was supposed to take inventory tonight. Probably get fired for not even showing up. Well, it's too late to worry about that. But there's still time to go to the wedding if you can get a parole. What parole? I haven't been convicted of anything. If you just call that broken-down store and get them to drop the Will charges... Will take that... you to the wedding if I do? Blanche, this is blackmail. Mm-hmm. Will you? To think that my own wife... Will you take me to the wedding, John? Even if I said yes, where could I get a tuxedo at this hour? I've got one right here in this box. Compliments of Fuller's Department Store. Put it on. Thought of everything, didn't you? Mm-hmm. I can't prove it, but I've got a sneaking suspicion you engineered this frame-up all the way down the line. Oh, John. All right, you win. Get me out of here. But rattle on the bars with your tin cup, dear. Oh, what's the use? Hey, screws! Why, that's wonderful, John. You've adjusted to your environment perfectly. Now, keep quiet. Where is that guy? All right, take it easy. I'm coming. Gonna let you out now, Bickerson. <clears throat> About the wedding, John. I know how you feel, but believe me, you won't regret this decision. Oh, so you finally broke him down, huh, miss? Gotta hand it to you. Didn't even need a shotgun. In a moment, we'll rejoin the Happy Bickersons. Right now, it's time to join our roving reporter, Bob Pfeiffer, for the story of his interview with an actual smoker in Louisville, Kentucky. Okay, Bob Pfeiffer. Hello there, this is Bob Pfeiffer. While we've been setting up our microphone here in the heart of Louisville, Kentucky, my assistant, Frank Higgins, has been interviewing passers-by on 4th Avenue. He's located a volunteer to try the Philip Morris nose test. All set, Frank? All set, Bob. Bob, I'd like you to meet Miss Beatrice Isaacs from Louisville, Kentucky. Miss Isaacs is not a Philip Morris smoker. Thank you, Frank. How do you do, Miss Isaacs? Thank about the test, may I ask you one favor? For obvious reasons, we don't want you to refer to your present cigarette by its brand name. Is that okay by you? Yes, sir, it is. Now let me offer you a Philip Morris, Miss Isaacs. Do you have one of your own brand handy you could take out yes, for I me? Yes, I do. Then we'll be all set to go. Fine. Now which cigarette would you like to try first, Miss Isaacs? I'll try my brand. Try your brand first? All right, I'll give you a light, then take a puff. Do not inhale, and slowly let the smoke come through your nose. That's the way, Miss Isaacs. Now, that was your own brand, which I noticed was also one of the leading cigarettes. Now, let's try exactly the same test with the Philip Morris. Remember, I'll give you a light, then take a puff. Do not inhale. Slowly let the smoke come through your nose. 
All right, Miss Isaacs, by your own choice, you tried your brand first, and then the Philip Morris. You made exactly the same test each time. What difference, if any, did you notice between the two cigarettes? Well, I think Philip Morris uh, is milder. Philip Morris is milder? Yes, sir. Well, Miss Isaacs, you've just confirmed the judgment of thousands of other smokers who've also found that Philip Morris is milder. Thank you very much. Remember this. The test you just heard is entirely voluntary and no promise of any kind, no payment whatsoever is made for any statement in the interview. Friends, the Philip Morris Nose Test is the only fair test, for it allows you to compare, match, judge Philip Morris against any other cigarette. Yes, try this test. Believe in yourself. And you, too, will believe in Philip Morris, America's finest cigarette. And now back to Francis Langford and Lou Parker as John and Blanche Bickerson in The Honeymoon is Over. The wedding of Blanche Bickerson's cousin Agnes turned out to be a big success for cousin Agnes. For the Bickersons, it turned out to be a long ride home. Too long. So in a motel on Highway 99 in cabin number 13, the Bickersons have retired. Mrs. Bickerson tosses restlessly in her strange bed as poor husband John, victim of an obscure type of insomnia which attacks the patient only during the day, gives valid proof of his agonizing affliction. Listen. New bride. What? What? What's the matter, Blanche? What's the matter? I hate this motel. We must have passed at least 50 others on the road. Why did you insist on stopping here? This was the only one that had a vacancy. It gives me the creeps. I'm afraid to go to sleep, John. What's the matter with you, Blanche? There's all sorts of eerie sounds, and I swear I saw something moving outside the window. Probably the wind. No, it wasn't. I saw it distinctly. It was a terrifying shape with long ears and a head like a donkey. Woman's afraid of her own shadow. <laughs> no donkeys outside the window, Blanche. Go and look. Okay, put on the lights. The lights are on. Take off your sleep shade. Oh, you can think of more ways to keep me up. There's nothing outside the window, nothing. Are you satisfied? I swear I saw something. Put out the lights. Good night. Good night. It was a wonderful wedding, wasn't it, John? Wonderful. Didn't my cousin Agnes look stunning in her wedding dress? Hmm. And didn't Willie look handsome in your tuxedo? Imagine that bum showing up for his own wedding and bagging blue jeans. <laughs> they weren't baggy. They looked fine on you. Let me sleep, Blanche. I think they'll make a wonderful couple, don't you, John? Couple of what? <laughs> I hope they'll be as happy as we've been. Mm. In spite of all our little arguments, you are satisfied with our married life, aren't you, John? Aren't you? What? Are you satisfied with our married life? Satisfied? I've had more than enough. <laughs> you see, you're the one who 
starts it. Blanche, I'm so sleepy, I don't know what I'm saying. I have to get up at the crack of dawn, drive 60 miles, and then go to work. Why don't you have some consideration for me? You're a fine one to talk about consideration. You're not even civil to me anymore. You come home from work, gobble your dinner, bury your head in the newspaper, and you're asleep and snoring before you know it. You don't even like to say goodnight to me. You're wrong, Blanche. I love to say goodnight to you. <laughs> Good night. Sure, take the easy way out. Don't discuss things sensibly and try to reach a solution. Just go to sleep. Fat chance. I shouldn't talk to you at all after your behavior tonight. There was nothing wrong with my behavior. I suppose you thought it was all right to rumble with Willie and hand the bride a cigar. Poor little Agnes. She cried so hard she ruined her bridal veil. She didn't need a veil. She could have combed her eyebrows straight down. <laughs> First time I ever saw a bride with a crew haircut. You stop that. Agnes had a beautiful crop bob. Yeah. She may not be the prettiest girl in the world, but she's got a lot of charm. The boy who married her got a prize. What was the prize? <laughs> don't be sarcastic. We had no right to leave before the ceremony was over in the first place. I don't know why you rushed me away from there. You know I have to be at the office at daybreak. You did it to embarrass me. I did not. You did too. Just because it was my cousin who was getting married. You've been to 50 weddings and always stayed for the ceremony. Did you ever regret it? Only once. <laughs> oh, that's too bad about you. You always make it sound like I got the bargain. I could have done better, I'm sure. I swear, Blanche, sometimes I wish you'd have married the first idiot who proposed to you. I did. <laughs> Very funny. Put out the lights. All those promises you made when you were courting me. Makes me laugh to think of what you said when you proposed. It doesn't make me laugh. You were going to give me a life of luxury, 20 servants and a mansion. Did I ever doubt you? No. Did I investigate your bank account? No. No. Did I hire detectives to find out about your salary? No. Yes, I did. What? Yes, I did. What'd you do that for? Because I didn't know what you were getting when you married me. Neither did I. I don't know how any man can be so cruel. Is it any wonder I'm getting old before my time? What time is it? You have a habit of making me feel unwanted, so small and insignificant. Yeah. Sometimes I think I'm going to dissolve into nothingness and disappear entirely. You say it, but you won't do it. So you finally revealed your true feelings. I haven't revealed anything. You haven't loved me for years, if you ever loved me at all. Always answer me in monosyllables. Never interested in anything I do. The only recreation I... The only thing I get from you at all is a shrug or a quick snort. Thanks for reminding me. What are you doing with that bottle, John? I'm having a quick snort. <laughs> There's the answer to our problem, bourbon. Now you're beginning to show some sense. How do you want it, straight? <laughs> I don't want it at all. If you hadn't had so much of it at the wedding tonight, you'd have been able to drive me home. My driving never interferes with my drinking. Sorry I ever went to your broken-down cousin's wedding. You sure showed it, too. Everybody kissed the bride except you. Well, that proves I was sober. You wouldn't hesitate if it was Gloria Gooseby. Now, don't start with Gloria Gooseby. I bet you'd stand in line if she was getting married. She's already married, and I don't have to stand in line. What? I mean, I hate Gloria Gooseby. I see her, I'm going to punch her husband, Leo, right in the nose. What have you got against Leo? He's a better husband than you are. And I'm sick of hearing that, too. Leo Gooseby is a cheap, chiseling bum. He is not. He's more generous than you. Generous? Would Leo Gooseby give you a new dress? No. Would he give you a new hat? No. Would he give you a mink coat? Would you give me a mink coat? No. Why should I give you anything Leo wouldn't give you? <laughs> well, let's stop wrangling and go to sleep. Our whole marriage started on the wrong foot. You should have had a real ceremony like Agnes. But you're in too much of a hurry. Hmm. 
No, we've got plenty of time now, and I want a real wedding with a big ceremony. I want you to marry me again, John. Good night. Is that such an unreasonable request? Yes, it isn't legal. Why not? A man can't be punished twice for the same crime. <laughs> oh, that's too bad about you. Well, for your information, I've already sent out formal invitations to our wedding. Are you out of your mind, Blanche? I'm not having any formal wedding, and I'm not putting out a lot of dough just to feed your hungry friends and their squalling brats. There won't be any brats there at all. How do you know? Because it said claim the only invitation. Mr. and Mrs. John Dickerson will be married September 12th. No children expected. Put out the lights. Not until you promise me to go through with it. I want to wear a wedding gown and a veil. Every woman's entitled to that. No, stop it. They'll throw us out of here. I wish they would. I never heard of such a thing. Oh, keep quiet and go to sleep. Go to sleep, she says. Drags me 90 miles to see a crumb get married in my tuxedo. Makes me stay up in a rat trap overnight. Wants to wear a veil. Drives me crazy. Go to sleep, she tells me. I'll never sleep another wink as long. Hello. Blanche, the phone's dead. It's leaking. Put down that bottle of bourbon. Oh. You the man that left the call for 7.30? Yes. Well, it's 4 o'clock. Well, what are you waking me now for? I'm going off duty. My wife will call you at 7.30. Goodbye. Drop dead. That's the last straw. Put out the lights, Blanche. All right, dear. Good night. Good night. John. What is it? Are you angry with me? No, I'm just sleepy. Wouldn't you like to kiss me good night? I'll kiss you good night in the morning. Why can't you kiss me now? I'm not facing that way. <laughs> Good night, Blanche. John, I have something important to tell you. Tell me tomorrow. Do you realize I'm the only woman in my set who doesn't have an engagement ring? You have, too. I gave you a beautiful ring. Fourteen-carat gold filled. You had an enormous hole in the top for a diamond. <laughs> I bought a diamond ring for $300. Blanche, you didn't. I had to. After living with you for seven years, I was ashamed to face my friends. They were starting to talk. About what? About us. Everybody knows we're not legally engaged. Blanche, are you insane? How can you squander $300 on a diamond ring? Don't scream at me. I deny myself everything. I've been cutting your bloomers in half and wearing them for shirt sleeves. <laughs> I've been using chicken fat for hair tonic. My only bathing suit has a hole in the knee. I haven't spent a nickel on myself, and she buys diamonds. You bought a sack of popcorn yesterday. What popcorn? That was my teeth. They fell out from malnutrition. Where's that ring, Blatch? Let me see it. Here. There's no diamond in this ring. It's the same one I bought you. Didn't buy anything, silly. Why would I spend $300 on a diamond ring when we haven't got enough to eat? Who am I going to fool? My friends know we're paupers. Oh, they do, huh? Certainly. They laugh up their sleeves every time they see me wear that ring with a hole in it. Is that so? <laughs> well, I'll put a stop to that, honey. I'll take it to the jewelers in the morning. John, are you going to put a diamond in it? No, I'm going to plug up the hole. <laughs> Good night, Blanche. Good night, John. Francis Langford and Lou Parker are standing by for a curtain call. 
In the meantime, for America's finest cigarette, here's another call well worth remembering. Remember, Philip Morris is definitely less irritating, definitely milder than any other leading brand. Remember, no cigarette hangover means more smoking pleasure. So... Now, here are John and Blanche Pickerson as Francis Langford and Lou Parker. Oh, Lou... Have you seen this package that arrived to you among the fan mail? I know. What is it, Francis? It's a little gadget to encourage sleep. It's called an anti-snore ball. <laughs> oh, isn't that cute? Just because I snore on the program, I guess people think that I actually snore at home. Well, do you? Of course not. As a matter of fact, I'm a very quiet sleeper. Well, here's your snore ball. Thanks, Franny. Incidentally, who sent it in? Your wife. <laughs> Good night, Lou. Good night, Francis. <laughs> Everybody. the Horace Heights Show this coming Sunday night over this same station. That's Sunday night over CBS. In the meantime, don't forget to... The Dickerson's came to your transcribe from Hollywood, California. Tonight's cast included Peter Leeds and Herb Vigran. This is John Holbrook speaking. Please send your questions and comments to host at classiccomedyotr.com. Come back next Monday for one of the special episodes of The Bickersons and check in on Wednesday for the next installment of The Bob Hope Show. Until next time, in the words of Fred Rogers, you know who that is, Mr. Rogers, we all have different gifts, so we all have different ways of saying to the world who we are.